So please turn in your Bibles this morning to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Uh, here at Calvary Chapel, January 1st, we began our verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation with Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. And this morning, we come to Revelation chapter 19, and we're only going to look at the first six verses because this, this chapter is just loaded with truth for everyday living. It's loaded with truth that we can apply to our lives, and I want to share it with you this morning. So let's take a look at Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. It says, After these things I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous, and he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, and who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and great. Then I heard something like a loud voice, a great multitude, like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word as we talk about this word, hallelujah, this morning. Bring it home, Lord. Help us to understand what this word means. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Amen. So, what's going on in Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 6? What's going on? We, we've, been, we've gone through the seven-year tribulation period, okay? It's been hell on earth. If you've been with us for any amount of time, we have been studying the, uh, the bowls and the, the trumpets and, and all the judgments. And these are the tribulation saints coming out of the great tribulation. And what's their song? Praise the Lord. That's what hallelujah means. This is, a, this is a song. This is a New Testament exodus. Just as the saints in the Old Testament came out of Egypt and celebrated God's deliverance, so in a future point in time, there's going to be a great tribulation period, and the saints and the believers that come out of that great tribulation is going to be an exodus, and they are going to be praising the Lord for how great and how mighty he is. This word, hallelujah, is only used four times in the New Testament. We love that word. Everybody, everybody's, in everybody's Christian vocabulary used the word hallelujah. But how many times is it given to us in the Bible? Four times, and it's all in these six verses. This is the only place you find hallelujah used. Now, the word hallelujah is a compound word. It's, 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 Hallel means to praise, and yah, hallelujah, is the shortened name of Yahweh, which we get the phrase, praise the Lord. Now, let's, at Revelation chapter 1 through 6, real briefly, I want, to see, I want to pull out a few things concerning this phrase, hallelujah, this found in verses 1 through 6. And first off, how is it used? How is the word hallelujah used? It says there in verse 1, and after these things I heard something like a loud voice. So these saints, according to the text, they had lifted up voices as they sang hallelujah. It wasn't a whisper, okay? It wasn't something done under their breath. 
but it was done with a loud voice. They were like, hallelujah, praise the Lord with an uplifted voice. And if you were there and you were with him and you had seen all the things of the great tribulation and seen God's mighty deliverance, you would be shouting the same thing, hallelujah, with a loud voice. Why? Verse 2. Vice, verse 2 is, why do we praise the Lord? Why do they praise the Lord? It says in verse 2, his righteous judgments have prevailed. We praise the Lord because his word is true, his judgments are true, and everything he says will come to pass. Okay? We can bank our life on that. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He, be he started it all. He will bring it all to a close and his judgments will prevail. Another, another way they uh, praise the Lord, looking at verse 4. Verse 4 says, they fell down and they worshiped God. They were so overwhelmed at the presence of God. They were so overwhelmed at his power and glory that they fell down on their face. And I'm going to show you in the Bible this morning that that is very biblical. It is very biblical to bow down. It's very biblical to get prostrate before the Lord in our worship. What is it? Verse 5 tells us. Verse 5 says, uh, give praise to our God. That's what the word hallelujah means. Hallelujah means to praise the Lord, to tell him how worthy he is, to exalt him, to praise him, to magnify him. And please, please look at verse six. Why do we praise the Lord? That final statement in verse six speaks volumes that we could preach on for weeks. It says, hallelujah for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. The Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they are the Lord God Almighty, and they reign. He rules and reigns. No president, no leader, no governor, no, no one rules this universe except one, and it is the Lord God Almighty, the sovereign Lord and the sovereign creator of the universe. And for that alone, he's worthy of all of our praise. He is the one that controls the sun, the planets, the moon, the stars. He is the one that controls our lives. He is the one that keeps everything in motion. He is the sovereign Lord. And these saints coming out of the great tribulation, they're coming to this realization that everything that they just witnessed, all the judgments and everything was the sovereign will and plan of almighty God. In the great tribulation, God was bringing to an end sin, sickness, disease, suffering. And as we're going to see, if you continue with us over the next couple of weeks, he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. But he had to get rid of the old first. But the, the thing that captured my attention as I was studying this week, as I, as I was reading this text and asking the Lord to show me what to teach on, how to teach this passage. I wanted to stop at verse six. I wanted to look at verses one through six. And then specifically, as I continue to study, I felt the Lord leading me to teach this morning on this word, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What does the word hallelujah mean? As I said a while ago, hallel means to praise. Yah is a short name of Yahweh. It means to praise the Lord. But hallelujah is one of seven, Hallel, is one of seven Old Testament words that's used 
for praise. So the title of my message this morning is seven Hebrew words for praise that every Christian needs to know. When you understand the deep richness of these words and what they mean, I believe that your walk with Christ will go deeper. Your worship will be more intimate and it will help you experience the fullness of God and his Holy Spirit. Those seven Hebrew words are up on the screen. Hallel, Yada, Barak, Tehillah, Zamar, Toda, and Shabak. So this morning, I'm going to give you a little Hebrew lesson, a little lesson on Hebrew words of praise. Because every time you read the Old Testament, you, when you see the word praise, you really need a concordance. You got to go and look and see which praise is this. This tells you how detailed the Hebrew language was and how specific it was. They didn't have just one word praise. They had seven words for praise. So y'all ready to dig into them? Let's do it. Let's do it. So the seven Hebrew words for praise that every Christian should know in this life. And the first one is Hallel. Hallel. Hallel means to boast, to brag, or to make a big show of, even to the point of looking crazy. Okay? It means to be excited about God. It means to praise Him for His mighty deeds. It means, it means there's a zeal in our hearts that we want to praise the Lord with all we have. All that's within us, we want to praise Him. And, we're not, and, we, and we don't care who knows or what people think. You know, so many times in worship, you know, I'm, I'm, I do it too. I do it every, almost every Sunday. Like, what, what's the person to my left and right and front behind going to think about me? What are they going to think about how I worship? You know, we got to stop thinking like that. We got to start asking ourselves, Lord, are you pleased with my worship? Because it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It's what does God think? So it's, it's this zeal, it's excitement. Some verses that use Hillel in the Old Testament. Psalms 113 verse 1 says, Hillel the Lord, Hillel, O servants of the Lord, praise Hillel, the name of the Lord. We want Christ exalted and we don't care what people think. That's what that word Hillel means. We want, we want him to, we're excited, we're pumped up, and we want Christ to be exalted, and we do not care what the world thinks. Psalm 63 verse 5 uses this Hebrew word also. It says, my soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers hallel, offers praise with what? Joyful lips. When you think about the word hallel, when it comes to Hallel means praise, praise the Lord. When you think about Hallel, there needs to be a joy in our worship. There needs to be an excitement in our worship. There's nothing wrong celebrating the Lord, okay? There needs to be a spirit of celebration in what Christ has done for us. He won. He won the victory. He, he, he won the victory at his resurrection from the dead. So we should celebrate that. We should hallel him. We should praise the Lord with joyful lips. In other words, our lips should move. They should be, it should be excitement. It should be joy. When you come to church on Sunday morning, are you excited about worship? Are you excited about saying, Lord, I want to give you the praise of my lips. I want to exalt you with my mouth. I want to sing your praises. Man, I love it. There's certain songs that we do. You know, certain songs the worship team 
overpowers the congregation, especially when it's new songs. But when we get into some of those old songs, man, man, y'all belt it out, man. It's like a heavenly choir, and I praise the Lord for that. But we need to hallel the Lord. Another verse in the Old Testament that uses hallel, which we get the word hallel, which comes from hallelujah, is Psalm 149, verse 3. It says, let them praise or hallel his name with dancing and let them sing praises to him with a timbre and a lyre. Hallels were sang at Jewish celebrations and festivals in the Old Testament. They were sang, uh, and the Lord was praised at the Passover. This took place at Pentecost. This took place at the Feast of Tabernacles. But it was a party. It was a celebration. It was a joyful event of singing and dancing and, and instruments playing. It was a time when Israel, they came together during the feast to celebrate what the Lord had done. Hallelujah is a spontaneous, hallelujah, hallelujah, is a spontaneous outcry of emotion, excitement, and expression of worship to God. Now, I, had to, I tried to think of an illustration to give you. And the only illustration that could come to my mind is when I think about the word Hillel is a football game. Is a football game. How many of you guys have ever been to a Clemson football game? By a show of hands. How many of you guys like Clemson Tigers? Come on. Come on. You know you like your Tigers. What do they do at the beginning of every game? The teams at the top of the hill, what do they rub? They, they, what do they do? They, they rub what's called Howard's Rock. They rub Howard's Rock. And what happens? I've been to, I've been to USC games and Clemson games. So I'm going to talk about Gamecocks in a second. But, uh, but uh, don't worry, Gamecock fans. Uh, but, it, but what happens when they rub that rock in there at the top of the hill and Dabo Sweeney's up there and they all get pumped up? What happens to that stadium? It, it is rocking. Man, the fans, 70,000 fans come to their feet and they are cheering on their Tigers and they are celebrating as the team rubs Howard's Rock and they come running down to the field. It's a mass celebration. That's Hallel. That is getting excited. That is being joyful. We see that in college football games. Now, how many, how many Gamecock fans we got? Okay, okay. All right, all right. I've been to a lot of Gamecock football games. And I, I've been up in the press box. I've worked some of the football games. I've wor I work, been up there where, the, where ESPN and, and all those guys are working at. And uh, at the very beginning of a USC football game, they do this thing called Sandstorm. Have you ever, have you ever been there for Sandstorm? Man, you should see these faces up here, man. They are grinning from ear to ear. They are pumped up. They're excited. But, but at the begin, very beginning of the USC football game, everybody gets their white towels out, and they start playing Sandstorm, and the USC football team comes running out. And I've been up in that press box, and I have felt the stadium shaking. And everybody up in the press box is like, oh, my goodness, get this thing over with. But it's, there's this, this joy. There's this excitement, you know. And in the stadium of the church— the stadium uh, uh, of the congregation of the people of God, the same excitement that those fans have at USC and Clemson football games, you and I can have the same excitement for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord, you won. Yours is the victory. You're going to win this game. But there needs to be a spirit of Hillel. That's what Hillel is. So remember, family, it's okay to celebrate Christ. It's okay to celebrate him. And when you celebrate him, you are praising him. 
you are praising him because he is worthy. He has won the victory. And we can get a little rowdy and thrust our fist in the air and say, Lord Jesus, you won. I imagine that's what it's like at the end of the great tribulation is these saints. Actually, chapter 19, verse 1 and 2 says that they're actually in heaven. So this is the saints that have gone up in the rapture. This is the saints that have gone before. But in heaven, there's this mass celebration. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So hallel him. The second Hebrew word I present to you this morning is yada. Yada. Yada means to worship with extended hands. To worship with extended hands. You know, you ever wonder why people lift their hands in worship? It's very biblical. It's, it's very biblical. Some people are like this. Some people are like this. Some people are like this. But ever how it is very biblical to worship by lifting our hands to the Lord. It's, think about that. When you think about the word yada, think about the first letter, Y. What is Y shaped like? That's the easy way to remember yada. Is to, 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 to yada the to yada, praise the Lord, is to lift your hands in worship. First Chronicles chapter 23, verse 30 says, that uses this Hebrew word, they are to stand every morning to thank and to praise, or yada, the Lord, and likewise at evening. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21, uses the Hebrew word yada. It says, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire. And they went out before the army and said, give thanks, the Hebrew word there is yada, to the Lord and his loving kindness is everlasting. Psalms 63 verse 4 says, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Now think about this. What is, what is uplifted hands a universal sign of? What, who are people that lift their hands? Not talking about worship yet. We're going to talk about worship and praising the Lord. But in general, a universal sign of uplifted hands is a little child. A little child is in trouble. A little child is sick. A little child is, is in need of something. What do they do? They go running to mommy and daddy. And they always raise their hands, mommy, daddy. And they, they go running to their mom and dad. The believer, when he lifts his hands, like that little child, the believer is saying, Lord, I need you. How many of us need the Lord? And we need him more and more and more. You know, lifting your hands during praise and worship, lifting your hands during your prayer time at home, lifting your prayers during your devotional time, you're like that child, and you're saying, Lord Jesus, I really need you. I really need you. God, please help me in the situation I find myself in. I need more of your power. I need more of your spirit. But lifting up hands is a sign that, we, that we're saying to the Lord, I really, really need you. Also, lifting hands is a universal sign of surrender. You know, you think about when the the guy robs the bank and he runs and the police chase after him and they chase him down the back alley and he gets to the very end. He can't go nowhere. What, what does the bad guy do? He turns around, he raises his hand, says, I give up. I surrender. There's nowhere else I can go. When we raise our hands to the Lord, we're saying to God, 
God, I surrender to you. That's the essence of salvation. That's the essence of repentance and faith and being born again is us swallowing our pride and saying, Lord, I surrender my life to you. And when we raise our hands like the bad guy in front of the police officer, we say, Lord, I surrender. Take me. Take me in. That's what surrender is. That's what it means to yada, to praise the Lord. Yada is an awesome and meaningful expression of praise to our King. We encourage it in your prayer life. We encourage it in corporate worship, wherever you may be. You know, you can lift your hands, praising the Lord, going down the road. Just do me a favor and keep one hand on the steering wheel, okay? <laughs> but, but, but lift your hands. Yada, the Lord. He is worthy. He is worthy. And we need to lift our hands to the Lord and praise Him because He's an amazing God. The third word, third word, the third Hebrew word for praise, this is a sister word of Hillel, is called Barak. Barak. And what Barak means? It means to bow down. It means to take a knee. It means to bow down before the Lord and, and, and bow your knee. One day you're not going to have a choice because the Bible says every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Let's go ahead and start practicing now. You know, during worship, during prayer time, during your devotions to the Lord, is in your prayer closet, in worship, wherever, bow down before the Lord. And not only bow and take a knee, but it's also biblical to get prostrate. You know what prostrate means? To lay flat before the Lord. There's been some times in my life where I've been so desperate for an answer from the Lord that I, I, had, I had no choice, but I felt in my spirit that I needed to get prostrate. I needed to get low. I needed to get low. Just a way to humble myself. Because at our pride, we want to stand. We want to pump our chest. But in humility, we want to get low. Some, Hebrew, some Old Testament verses that use uh, the Hebrew word barak for praise is Psalm 95, verse 6. Psalm 95, verse 6 says, Come, let us worship, and there it is, and bow down, Barak. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Literally, the word for praise, for worship, Psalm 95, verse 6, is taking a knee. Taking a knee. It's biblical, and, and, and it should be practiced. But we're scared. And why are we scared to do it? Because we're worried about what people will think around us. Oh, man, it's one of those crazy Christians again. They always want to bow down and get on a knee and get prostrate. But let's not worry. Let's not worry about what the person to our left or right thinks or person in front or behind or neighbors or friends or whoever. Let's be focused on pleasing the Lord and doing what pleases him. And if you want to get low and you want to bow, you want to take a knee, bow and, and take a knee. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 20 also uses this word Barak. It says, then David said to all the assembly, now bless Barak the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed Barak the Lord, the God of their fathers. And they bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. To pay homage, that word homage in 1 Chronicles 29, 20, it, it literally means to uh, fall on your face. It, mean, it literally means to lay 
face down, is bowing and is getting low. And it's a very humbling act. But in desperate times, it calls for desperate measures. And, you know, we want the Lord to work in our life. We want the Lord to show up. And there's some times where, yeah, you can just bow your head and say a prayer and present your need to the Lord. And you, and you feel confident that the Lord has heard it and your heart's in the right place. But there's also times in life where we got to take it a step further. I don't, I'm not saying do this every single time you worship, but, you know, be led by the Holy Spirit when you do these things. But there's times where we got to take it a step further. We got to take it a step further when we need answers from heaven for something that's near and dear to our heart. Psalm 34 verse 1 also uses this word. The psalmist says, 34 verse 1, I will bless Barak the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In the first century, Roman soldiers and governors barocked Caesar. They barocked Caesar. They, they bowed down. They got prostrate before Caesar. Why? Because their allegiance was to Caesar. So they would physically bow on one knee, lift their hands in complete surrender. So it wasn't just a thing they said in their heart, oh, I'm bowing surrender to Caesar, but they would do it physically. In bowing, you and I are declaring our allegiance. We're declaring our allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're saying to Christ Jesus, there is one Lord and it is you, Christ. It is you I serve. It is you I live for. And I bow my knee. I bow my heart. I bow my life. It's a statement to the Lord, uh, this Barak. It's a statement to the Lord that all you care about is pleasing him. When you and I bow, when we Barak, we're also preparing for the future. Do you know that? You're, you're practicing for the future. Because Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So let's barack the Lord. Let's, let's bow down in corporate worship, in your prayer closet, in your home. That there's times where you worship the Lord, barack him, praise him, being bowed down. The fourth word, the fourth word is... Tehillah, Tehillah. Uh, Tehillah means to praise him publicly. It, it's, it, it means to make worship an integral part of who we are. It means to wear it publicly for all to see. And when you wear it publicly for all to see, you're unashamed. You don't care. All you want to do is praise God the Lord. It's an integral part of who you are as a person. It's like this. It's like, it's like saying you wear praise. You wear it like you wear your clothes and you want to make your life an offering of praise to him. That's what Tehillah means. Uh, Psalm 22 verse 3 says, yet you are holy. You are enthroned upon the praises, Tehillah, of Israel. It's, Tehillah is public praise, is public adoration, and is public thanksgiving. It's, it's, the, the Blue Letter Bible says it's a laudation. You know what a laudation is? It means that in your praise, you single out and you honor Christ. It means you want all the praise from your life that you exhibit, that people see, that you exercise. You want it all to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3 says, To grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise, Tehillah, instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Before we come to Christ, there's this spirit of heaviness, this spirit of despair, this spirit of, of being lost, this spirit of, of being in darkness, this spirit of uh, you're just down, you're out, you're depressed. But when you come to Christ and the Holy Spirit fills your heart, he gives you a spirit of praise, Tehillah, so that you wear it. Now, um, Isaiah 61 verse 3, it talks about a mantle of praise. That word mantle in Isaiah 61 3 is a veil or garment that you wrap yourself in. In Bible times, a person grieving would wrap themselves in sackcloth. And they wrapped themselves in sackcloth, and that was a sign of their grieving, of their bereavement, of them being down and lowly. The mantle of praise, Isaiah 61.3, that Tehillah is used with, is just the opposite. It's just the opposite of the sackcloth of grieving. The mantle of praise is a garment of praise given to us by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the worship, the praise, praising the Lord is an integral part of who we are. We wear it. The mantle of praise is how you experience deep fellowship with God. You know, you can sing to the Lord every day. You know, don't, I, I hope the only time you sing Christian songs and Christian worship songs, I hope the only time is not just on Sunday mornings, but you can do it Monday through Friday in your car radio, in your home, play your favorite Christian music on Spotify, and you can let it become an integral part of who you are as you wear it. This mantle of praise is how we experience deep fellowship with God. Praise and prayer and fellowship with God, they all go together. They, they, all, they, they, they all go together. And I believe just as we continually pray, we can also continually praise the Lord. Despite our circumstances, Despite our situation, we say, Lord Jesus, you are worthy of all my praise, and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you in the good times. I'm going to praise you in the bad times. It breaks the mantle of praise. It breaks strongholds. You know, when we take our mind and we no longer dwell on the things of darkness, but we dwell on the things of the Lord and, and we believe the promises of God, the mantle of praise, it breaks fear. It breaks depression. It breaks anxiety. This is how we fight our battles with the mantle of praise in prayer and worship before the Lord as we do our spiritual warfare, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time in worship, we do it with the mantle of praise, with Tehillah on our lips. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And maybe you're thinking this morning, man, I've been really struggling. I've been really suffering in this area of depression, of anxiety and fear. And I see everything that's going on around the world. First thing I tell you to do is cut your TV off. Okay. That'll, that'll go a long ways. That'll go cut off the TV, cut off the social media and breathe some fresh air. But on top of that, I would suggest to you pray, pray. 
and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me the mantle of praise. Let my life praise you Monday through Friday. And when I get that bad news on Monday afternoon from a family member or, or, or whatever, I'm going to praise you in the storm. Tehillah is going to be part of whom of my life as I worship you no matter what. So let's pray and ask, ask the Lord to give us the mantle of praise, Isaiah 16.3, instead of the spirit of fainting and, and the garland of ashes. Let's live out his praise. Number five, number five, the fifth word. All right, worship team, where are you at? Where are you at, Maurice? There he is, there he is. There you go. Kevin, he's in here somewhere. Though this, this, this next word, this next Hebrew word is zamar. And zamar is for the worship team, okay? This, this, this word for praise, zamar, Hebrew word, it means this. It means to play a musical instrument, okay? When Sandy's up here singing, she's not up here singing to entertain you guys. When Kevin's over here playing guitar or Dusty's on keyboard, they're not here to entertain you guys. Their act of singing, their act of playing a guitar, playing keyboards, or when my son Daniel's on the drums, that is not an, uh, a show. That is their act of worship to God based on this Hebrew word zamar. Zamar, to praise the Lord zamar, means to play a musical instrument. So when someone's on the worship team, it's not a gig, it's not a show, it is an act of worship. These guys are worshiping the Lord up here on stage as they play their stringed instruments, as they, as they play their instruments. You guys worship the Lord also. So, uh, Hebrew uh, Old Testament verses with Zamar for praise. Psalm 149 verse 3 says, let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises, Zamar, to him with a timbrel and lyre. Psalm 147 verse 7 says, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises, and the Hebrew word is Zamar there, to God on the lyre. Again, playing instruments on stage in a church is not a gig. It's not a performance. It is an act of worship. So when Dusty's playing the keyboards, and he does a wonderful and amazing job, we have an awesome keyboard player, he's out there worshiping Christ. He's worshiping Jesus through the playing of his instruments. That's so important. That's so important that we understand that, that instruments are an act, playing them are, are worship before the Lord. So that's very important. If you want to play an instrument, you know, it's very, it's very important that you have that foundation that you understand that it is an act of worship. Yeah, you need talent. You know, you need skill. You need to learn how to, you, know, you need to know how to play an instrument. But ultimately, when you do it in a church setting, that is your way of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. That is your way of worshiping the Lord. Samar. Number six, the sixth Hebrew word for praise is todah. Todah is a word of thanksgiving to God. It means, think about todah, when you, T, to, 
think about tea and thanksgiving. Toda, thanksgiving. Toda is a word of thanksgiving to God for his deliverance, provision, and everything he has given to us, past, present, and future. This word can be found, this Hebrew word can be found in Jeremiah 33, 11. It says, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who say, give thanks to the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And for those who bring a thank offering, there it is, todah, into the house of the Lord. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were at first, says the Lord. Todah is saying this to God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you have something to give thanks for? Do you have something to praise him for? Todah. Todah, Lord. I praise you and I thank you for your amazing salvation. I thank you, God. I tadah you for my family, for, for my church, for your blessings on my life, for your word in my heart, for your Holy Spirit. We tadah him. We thank him for everything. For uh, he, he restores, he heals. And we know this, this word tadah also, when it's used in, if you go look at the Bible verses it's used in, a lot of times it's referencing the future. So when we tadah the Lord, we are thanking him that he is sovereign, that he is, control, he is in control, and he knows the future. Okay, that's very important. Thanksgiving and future are the two words that go with Tadah. And we know that God is sovereign, God is in control, and we can Tadah him today. We can praise him and thank him. And for, for our life, for our life, everything that he is going to provide, that he is going to take care of us, in this life, we can trust him. You know, we see all the things going on in the world with shortages and the economy, and, and it is kind of scary, I admit. Sometimes I look at it, I'm like, man, that's crazy. And it kind of makes me a little worried, makes me want to start, you know, packing stuff away and, and putting stuff away, which there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with preparing for the future. But ultimately, I know that the future is in God's hands. And you because you've trusted in Christ or a child of God, and he is going to take care of your future as you trust in him. And we tadah him. We thank him for his provision and everything that he has given us. And he kind of alludes to that in Jeremiah 33, 33, 11, where it says at the end of the verse, for I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were at first. Jeremiah was looking ahead. He was looking to the future. The final word this morning the final word in our study of the Hebrew words for praise is Shabbat. Shabbat. Shabbat means to, you ready for this? Elevate your voice. To, to raise your voice. To, Shabbat means it's not a whisper, but it's a voice of triumph. It's a voice of celebration. It's a voice that comes from deep within that says, Lord God Almighty, I want to praise you. I want to lift up my voice. I want, I want my voice to be heard in the assembly. I want my voice to be heard amongst your people. Uh, verses from the Old Testament that use the word Shabbat, Psalm 63 verse 3 says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, there it is, my lips shall praise 
or Shabak you. So Shabak, our lips are moving. Our lips are praising. You know, I, I've been there. I, you know, I've been going. I've been a Christian now for 30 years serving the Lord. I've been in services where, you know, you got your hands on the front seat and you're just standing. We're just staring at the words and our lips aren't moving. And sometimes it's because we don't know the song. And I understand that. You know, you need a little warm up here. You got to understand the words of the songs. But if you know the words of the songs, let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard. Sing out. Let the fruit of your lips give thanks to the Lord. Psalm chapter. Psalm 145 verse 4 also uses this word. It says, one generation shall praise, or shabak, your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. We, family, should praise the Lord with uplifted voices. Not a whisper, not a scream, but with a voice that's just robust and full of thankfulness. I, I'm not, I don't want to hear everybody start screaming and hollering and yelling, but, but, but with an uplifted voice. And that uplifted voice, that, that sound that comes from our lips, should come from a full heart. This is, oh Lord God Almighty, you reign forever and ever. It's that voice of richness and deepness. Uh, don't let the rocks cry out. Let him let the Lord hear your voice. Now, you might say, well, David, I know. He, he hears my voice and he hears my whisper. And that is true. He does hear your whisper. Not only does he hear your whisper, but he hears your thoughts. But I think it's, 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 it's beautiful to hear the saints praise the Lord. You ever been in a shopping store or a grocery store? Maybe you're in a bad or at work or something, and you're not in a good place. And then all of a sudden, you hear somebody talking about Jesus. You hear somebody praising the Lord or singing a song. And all of a sudden, it just, it just produces a trigger. Like, oh, that was so beautiful to hear. Yes, I need to praise the Lord. I need to give thanks to him. I need to praise him with my lips. As, we, as we've studied Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, the key word for praise the Lord that's used here, and Yah is added to the end of it, is hallelujah. But what you need to understand is that word hallelujah, the first part of the word hallel, comes from the word praise in the Old Testament. And hallel has six sister words. There's seven Hebrew words total in the Old Testament uh, that describe praise. And there they are. So as you develop your praise life, as you grow in the art of worship, as you grow in praising the Lord and, and lifting up his voice and, and understanding. Now this praise is, it should be in the congregation, but it also should be in your home. It also, wherever you meet with the Lord and you worship him, let these Hebrew words enrich and bless your worship before the Lord. Again, let us, as we look at these words, Hallel him. That means we, we, we praise him with excitement and joy. Don't be, leave, leave the long-faced religion behind and experience the joy of the Lord and let joy and let excitement fill your heart as you hallel and you praise the Lord. Yada, remember what it said? How do we, how do we remember the word yada? Think about the letter Y. 
What does this look like? A why. Let's yada the Lord. Let's worship him. Let's praise him with uplifted hands. Then Barak, Barak, let us Barak him. Let us bow in reverence. You can, you, you're welcome to bow during church. You're welcome to you know, bow in your home when you're worshiping the Lord. But make this an integral part of your praise and worship before the Lord is bow before him in reverence and, and, and swallow the pride and, and just bow before him. Number four, Tehillah. What was Tehillah? Public, public praise. Think of when you hear the word Tehillah, think about garments based on the the verse in Isaiah 61.3. But wear your praise. Let it be an integral part of who you are. Say, Lord, I am here on this earth to worship you, to praise you, to magnify you. And let praise and worship to my king uh, come from every part of my being. Zamar, Dusty. All right, brother, you got it. We, we zamar the Lord up here with musical instruments from drums to playing guitar. And by the way, Calvary Chapel, we're contemporary style worship music. We like all the instruments. We like electric guitars. We like acoustic guitars. We like keyboards. We like drums. We like it all. But we all want all those instruments to praise the Lord. Zamar. Toda. What does toda stand for? Remember the T? Thanksgiving. Give him the praise of Thanksgiving. Thank him. And specifically in the text where these, this Hebrew word is used, it seems like it's always used in reference to the future. Let's thank the Lord for the days that are ahead. And let's thank the Lord for his, his, his provision, his protection, his guidance, and what he's going to do in our life. And finally, Shabbat. Let's praise him. Shabbat is with uplifted voices. You know, let our voices be heard. Let's not let the rocks cry out. I pray and hope this morning that this study of praise, the, this is, you could call this a study, the study could be called praise the Lord. Because that's what the word hallelujah means. I hope it enriches and it blesses each and every one of you guys in your praise to your King and to your Lord. Let him know how much you love him and let him know how great and how awesome, how magnificent, how mighty. I can't think of any other words to use, but just how awesome and amazing he is. Use these verses, these words to enhance your worship and your praise to your king. Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord. Father, thank you, Lord, for the study of hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the study of praise the Lord. Father, we just want to praise you. We want to lift you up. And we want everything that is in us, Father. We don't want worship just to take place on Sunday mornings. But Lord, we want praise and worship to take place Monday through Saturday. Let worship, let praise come from our lips, from our hands, from our garments. Let us be thankful Monday through Saturday. And Lord, let Sunday be the day where we come in and we celebrate for what you have done in our lives. Father, we praise you. We hallel you. Yada, Barak, Tehillah, Zamar, Toda, Shabakyu. We thank you, God, that you're an awesome God. You rule 
and you reign. Help us to praise you with all we have. For us in Jesus' mighty name I pray, Father. Amen.